Welcome into a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Happy to be with you. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz, back from a family vacation. Happy to have him back in Happy Valley. And I'm happy to be back from Chicago, where we were at Big Ten Media Days towards the tail end of last week. Uh, that was the last formal media availability for Penn State football. Uh, James Franklin, a few players out there along with a bunch of representatives from across the conference. We'll get to some of that, some takeaways. Additionally, it is a marquee weekend of the summer schedule for Penn State recruiting, really of the entire calendar year when you talk about Penn State recruiting. Lash Bash taking place on Saturday, uh, the barbecue event that, that annually draws a bunch of prospects, commitments, their families, uh, and then Friday evening, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. In a few hours, Sean, myself, Mark Brennan, our intern Grace Brennan, will all be heading over uh, to Haluba Hall to the practice facilities for Penn State. Uh, big prospect camp, the final prospect camp of this summer as well. So it's the tail end of uh, a lot of the summer events, and we're going to get uh, right into it with Sean right now. We are one week out from training camp. Sean, this time for speculation. It never, never totally ends, but uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're so close. Happy to be back. Maybe a, uh, a little bit of an overstatement by your by your standards, um, but no, it's it's good to be back. We've been uh, you know running a promo the last couple of days. We've been putting a ton of stuff up on the site. So check out Lions twenty four seven if you get a chance. Uh, brought back the S zone today. A couple thousand words of of juice from the lash bash and things like that. So uh, definitely check us out. But uh, getting into it, you went to Big Ten Media Days last week. Uh, there's some reportable stuff from it. We found out Etor Gross Matos and Journey Brown are both on the shelf until I think August 1st. Um, so that that's newsworthy. It's something we've been talking about on Lions 24-7 the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's finally out there. Um, and, you know, beyond that, not a ton of newsworthy stuff. You got the regular, uh, I guess, uh, the regular rundown. You got Clifford. You're going to talk about Micah Parsons. Going to talk about the transfer portal and recruiting. Going to talk about some of the freshmen and things like that. But, you know, it, it, it's Big Ten Media Days. It is what it is. It's a lot of fluff. But at the at the end of the day, there's there's some stuff worth uh, taking home with you. Yeah, and, and clearly the suspension is the, the most interesting personnel matter in terms of something that has now been clarified a bit. Uh, Franklin not going as far to tell us whether or not that would impact uh, the game availability for Journey Brown or Etor Gross Matos. Um, obviously, that's that's something that we're going to be speculating about into August, and I, I don't think that's something we'll find out until the first day of this season when Idaho comes to town and if those guys are involved. Uh, very clearly, if either one of those absences impact you against Idaho, you've got bigger issues or even Buffalo the next week. But again, not to get too far down the road here, for all we know, the repercussions of their suspensions could just be the summer suspensions and being away from the team. But you and I are in agreement here, Sean, I think all the way. This is a rough summer for Journey Brown to have to step aside considering what Noah Kane did in his first spring camp with Penn State, what he's continued to do this offseason. And then Devin Ford coming in in tremendous shape, another pre Premier running back prospect getting to campus in June, and meanwhile Journey Brown's back home. And by the way, Ricky Slade uh, obviously has been working uh, to seal the deal as a starter for this team, replacing uh, Miles Sanders. So uh, Etor Gross Matos, whenever he gets back, we expect him to be the plug-and-play uh, guy at defensive end and, and and everything that everyone thinks he can be, a potential first-round NFL pick and, and all that. Uh, but Journey Brown, you know, this is going to set him back. I'd have to imagine Sider has spoken highly of him. Um, and his development going from the track athlete to the running back. But again, just a really rough summer for him to miss any kind of extended period at Penn State. Yeah, this was not the time to, to be on the shelf of your journey, Brown. He had a very good spring. He came up with Ricky Slade. He was probably the 1A, 1B with uh, with Ricky Slade. 
But all of a sudden, you're not on campus all summer. That's going to draw you back, and that's going to bring other guys forward. Noah Kane, you know, had a really good spring, had a good spring game as well. Devin Ford showed up in, in, in tremendous condition. He ran really well um, just based off of what we've heard uh, from his initial conditioning, looked great at Lift for Life, things like that. So um, not a time for Journey Brown to be on the shelf. Uh, those other guys, I think, are going to gain ground this summer. And We'll see what happens when they get to camp because that's a long time to be away from your team, a long time to sort of be out of sight, out of mind for, for J. Juan Sider. So he's going to have to deal with this. I think Slade's going to be the guy. I still think Journey Brown can carve out a role. It's just going to be a little bit tougher than we thought it was going to be. In terms of what we heard from the Penn State players who were out there in Chicago, it was three seniors. It was Blake Gillikin, John Reed, Cam Brown. Uh, not a lot of intrigue around those guys at this point in their career, but it was good to hear John Reed say that, that he's faster than he's ever been at any point in his career. Uh, you know, now almost you know a couple of years removed from, from his injury, and we know he had to work his way back last year. So he seems to be very confident about his abilities here in 2019. Uh, Cam Brown never lacks for confidence, that's for sure. Um, he sounds very excited excited about this linebacker group as you'd expect and then Blake Blake Gillikin I'd encourage everybody to check out uh, what Mark put together on, on his conversation with Blake Blake has was kind of the de facto assistant special teams coordinator last year it felt like uh, often and, and for about a week uh, where there was no special teams coordinator during the offseason he essentially did play that role he's going to be an important leader but he broke down some of the changes that, that you're going to see with Joe Lorig being the special teams coordinator and, and not necessarily going to see on game day it's what they're doing day to day the way they're meeting who they're meeting with it's it's just a quite different um, and it's been streamlined the process in a lot of ways for special teams so uh, Mark has the details there but Getting back to the Penn State backfield, we spent some time here talking about Journey Brown and, and his absence. The two quarterbacks that we're going to be focusing on going into summer camp, Sean Clifford, Will Levis. And, and I know people are, are, are going to say, well, isn't Sean the starter? You've been saying that the entire time. Look, I, I have zero. Uh, it, let's put it this way. I would be stunned if Sean Clifford isn't leading this team onto the field for the first series against Idaho I know you would be too, probably, Sean. Uh, but Will Levis, you know, there's a lot of good things to like about them. And, and without further ado, I mean, James Franklin, uh, the first question he was asked at the start of the Big Ten Media Days was about the quarterback. And then, and then we got him for, for a little bit more of an intimate setting, uh, more of the Penn State beat reporters involved for about an hour. And the first question of that, asked by yours truly, was about these quarterbacks. He started off with Sean Clifford and, and really went into his progression from the point he got to campus to where he is now, trying to replace Drake McSorley as the first team guy starting with Sean you know he's already done it you know in games uh, longest touchdown pass in, in in Beaver Stadium history so we've we've gotten a taste for him in games I think that that's helpful in terms of makeup in terms of uh, kind of how he's wired I think our staff and players have been very impressed with him you know really since the day he stepped on campus I remember a couple years ago pulling him to the side and saying saying, you know, the, the one concern that I have, you know, you check all the boxes, but the one concern that I have is you got to be able to show that athletically you can bring these other things to the table um, that we need, you know, that we need in our offense as a threat. And at that time, you know, I think he was running in the four eights. And in our last testing event, I think he tested faster than Trace did. 
And there you have it about Sean Clifford's athletic ability. We've talked about it before, and and really it's not going to be what makes or breaks this offense. It's going to be something that gets him out of trouble, something where you know you can you're expecting him to hand the ball off more than you were Trace McSorley. But at the same time, you know if he can break some, uh, break a couple of runs, move the sticks a couple of times, that's what you need. Switching over to Will Levis, Levis is a guy that's you know I fully expect Clifford to be the guy, but Levis is going to get some quality reps, and they say that they're going to run this competition as long as they. They possibly can and that's probably what two weeks into spring or excuse me two weeks into preseason camp which is what the you know has sort of been the benchmark for the last couple of times so uh, I don't expect Levis to win the job but I expect him to get quality reps and why that's important is last year he was on the scout team uh, taking scout team reps running the other team's offense didn't really get a chance to get out there until this spring to run Penn State's offense and and he's going to need those reps to get in there he's going to need to you know if something does happen to Clifford where he comes out for a couple plays or or you know even longer he's going to have to be able to run that offense so you want to get him as many quality reps in the first couple of weeks of camp uh, before you get that thing rolling yeah and and one thing that that Franklin mentioned about Clifford was the progress as an athlete getting to campus. Athleticism was never an issue for Will Levis. He put together the best spark score during uh, the opening regionals at the New Jersey camp during his his high school career, and, and we know that that's been a key thing for him. Interesting comments here from Franklin, including a comparison, uh, body-wise at least, to an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. Will's an interesting guy. I mean, you guys come to practice, you, you see it. Uh, Will looks like Troy Aikman. I mean, Will can throw the ball. Uh, he is big, he is strong, he is explosive, uh, smart. So we got two guys that we feel really good about, and then two young guys. But, but those two guys, in terms of you list out the things that you're looking for at that position, you know, they have a lot of the, you know, they have a lot of the criteria that, that you're looking for. Obviously, Will lacks the the game experience um so you know we'll see how that goes and obviously he's not comparing him to Troy Aikman but you know it makes sense when you see this guy out there tossing it around if you you step inside Haluba you know I've been in there a couple of times for camps and he's been out there throwing the ball around with Shorter and Cam Sullivan Brown some of those other guys and it's he's just different I mean he's he's a big guy but not in the way that Tommy Stevens was a big guy Tommy always looked you know fairly skinny for being a 230 pounder Will Levis looks like a tight end out there. Uh, he moves really well, and when he throws the ball, you, you kind of just you, your jaw drops at times. And you know that doesn't mean he's a great quarterback. That doesn't mean he's you know a shoe in to be a starter or anything like that. But he's got a lot of the tools that you want. And when you see him throw the ball, the staff, as I've said it before, has compared him to Jay Cutler in terms of arm strength, which is just ridiculous because Jay Cutler is in the top one percent of you know whatever uh for arm strength so levis can can throw the ball it's, it's fun to see him out there it's just got to get it put it together and that's why these uh these first couple of weeks are for, for of camp are very important for him and having will levis ready to roll at any possible moment even if he's not your starter and we don't expect him to be is so important because last year you had the the really the luxury of having a player in sean clifford who you know, got the varsity reps, not in games, but as a true freshman, he was the number three quarterback for this team. So he didn't spend a lot of time on the scout team field uh, like Will Levis did all last fall. And then, so when Tommy Stevens isn't available as your number two quarterback, and, and remember, Trace McSorley was banged up for a long stretch last year, and we were wondering if they would need to start a number two quarterback. 
you know, you had Sean Clifford to come. This time, if you got a if you got to go to a third guy, you're getting into much choppier waters, Sean. You got Taquan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr., two guys that I really like coming out of high school, but didn't like either of them to make an immediate impact as an offensive uh, catalyst for their college program. And and here at Penn State, I think the best thing is to kind of get those guys, uh, you know, together behind the scenes. You're gonna have to figure out who your third option is out of that out of those two. But uh, I don't think you want to see either one of those guys in a game uh, getting snaps that matter. And you never know who could surprise. And Franklin does make it a point to mention those two guys. But compared to last year, I think this roster in a lot of spots is deeper. Quarterback's not one of those spots. Yeah, you don't want to see those two freshmen. And that's not uh, being disrespectful to those guys. You just don't want to see them out there because it means other other bad things have happened. But the, the thing is different. Clifford came in, uh, you know, he came in, he beat out Jake Zembeck. Uh, he was the third string quarterback, so he didn't get a lot of those scout team reps, uh, but he got a chance to, to sit there and learn behind Trace and Tommy and take those third team reps with the practice, the varsity squad. Levis didn't have that opportunity. So when you talk about the gap between the two and, and, and Levis, uh, unquestionably, is the physically more impressive of the two. Uh, but when you talk about that gap, I mean, you, you talk about the experience, the reps. Spring reps are great, but they're not the same thing. So uh, it, yeah, I think that's where that, uh, that sort of gap plays into things. In terms of newcomers, you know, one name that, that came up during the Big Ten media days, to no surprise, is Jaquan Brisker. We've talked about him a lot all offseason, well before he got to camp, talking about how the safety competition didn't truly begin in earnest until the Lackawanna College product showed up to campus. Uh, they would have loved to have had him on campus in January when his teammate Anthony Wigan, an offensive lineman, enrolled. It didn't happen until this summer, uh, but he's there now. We know Lamont Wade's put in the work. He's done as much as he could during spring camp to maybe push himself ahead in this process. Jonathan Sutherland, a redshirt sophomore, uh, also pushing for expanded reps, but Jaquan Brisker checks off a lot of boxes, uh, as James Franklin talked about you know, in this initial conversation at, at the Big Ten Media Days. Yeah, we've said that about a couple of guys now. Is you, it'd be nice to have them in for this, uh, the spring semester. Brisker, obviously nothing he could really do about it because he had to, uh, I guess, fulfill his academic requirements at Lackawanna before you got to Penn State. So he and Devin Ford are two guys that I think could have uh, easily made an impact, um, you know, a little bit more in the spring. But Brisker is a guy that we're watching. I mean, we've, we've been talking about him basically since he committed, coming in, competing right away. He's going to compete with Wade. I think Sutherland's at that other spot behind Garrett Taylor. If they can find four guys, and, and it really doesn't matter off the bat which four guys it's going to be, or excuse me, which two guys it's going to be starting, if they can find four guys that can take that next step, it really solidifies a lot of things. Safety's still a big hole in the back of this, what should be a really good defense. So you're watching Brisker. He came in, uh, I think, 197. It was up to 214 or 213 or something like that. Ran a 446 for them right away, uh, which is actually a lot faster than I thought it would be. Um, you know, I thought he was a 46 guy. Nothing wrong with a 46 guy, by the way. Um, but yeah, to see him come in, test very well. Uh, sort of take to the uh, to the physical prospect the physical prospect process man still on vacation the physical process and go from there I think is a big sign for for Penn State's defense moving forward that four four six number was big it jumped out to me for sure I'm sure it did to you and and here are some things that jumped out to James Franklin so far uh, through about a month or so of having Jaquan Brisker on campus talented guy uh, you know we would love to had him at mid-semester but um, talented guy from everything I've heard big strong physical fast athletic is working extremely hard um, but obviously you know the complexity of the playbook and then the complexity of the offense 
offenses that we see and an offense that practice every single day, that's going to factor in as well. But so far, so good. You know, we we feel really good about the depth that we're we're you know developing and creating at the safety position, and and, and he factors into that. Elsewhere on defense, uh, obviously a big name out there at the national level is Micah Parsons. He is somebody who uh, led the team in tackles last year. One start. You know the story. Split time with Koa Farmer. Uh, expected to be unleashed in some different ways this year. Uh, one of those that we've been looking for is as a pass rusher. It was a big part of his pedigree as a prospect. It racked up a ton of, of quarterback takedowns at the high school level. And you know, a lot of people viewed this kid as that edge rusher, a big part of the five-star. I, I personally compared him to Vaughn Miller during his high school career, who's gotten a ton of sacks and in a Hall of Fame career at the NFL level. Uh, but sack and a half last year, Sean, he almost had two against Rutgers. He'll be the first to tell you he should have had two against Rutgers. But he did have the sack and the forced fumble on Art Sikowski. Gave you a little bit of a glimpse, uh, but certainly a part of his repertoire we expect to see more expanded. Ask James Franklin about that in Chicago. Here's what he said. I think Micah could legitimately play running back. I think Micah could legitimately play defensive end. I think Micah could legitimately play linebacker. I think Micah could legitimately play kickoff return guy. The problem with Micah in the past at kickoff return is he's not used to being the number two. So what I mean was, he's the number two, so if the ball is kicked extreme to the right, it makes sense for him to take it, and now the returner become the number two and be the lead blocker. Well, you put Micah back there as a freshman, Every kick was designed to go to him in his mind, and not you know not anything negative. It's just that's how he's wired. So getting him to understand that you know you're there as the number two and to be the lead blocker, it allows us to use him in more ways. You've also heard us talk about in the past few weeks uh, after speaking with Joe Lorig, special teams coordinator, in June that Micah Parsons is in the mix to be back there with K.J. Hamler in the kick return role. Um, obviously, this is something that has captivated people, and, and whether they're totally against it or totally in favor of it, um, but Micah Parsons did a lot of good things with the ball in his hands at Harrisburg High School. You can argue that he was the most effective running back at the high school level during his senior year. I think he was somewhere around eight yards per carry. Um, but this is the Big Ten, and, and this is a different kind of, of football. And James Franklin had mentioned, Sean, that Micah's mindset is always that he is the guy in, in whatever situation it is, and it helps him out a lot. Uh, but it, but it's also part where they got to say, hey, slow down, pump the brakes, let's let's kind of look at this from a different way. They want Micah to be of the mindset that KJ Hamler's the guy who needs to get the ball back there, or whoever is that kick returner, um, and that Micah's the number two, and essentially a heck of an escort, but a, a guy who can who can you know be the bodyguard for KJ Hamler, or if the ball's if someone's trying to avoid KJ, or if the ball just goes to Micah, then he can do things with the ball in his hand. But but Franklin made that a point and kind of kind of seemed like a make or break thing with Micah whether he's going to be filling this role this year, as if we can fully kind of sink his teeth into that reality uh, that it's not a one A and one B situation with him and KJ Hamler. Uh, but yeah, it certainly sounds you know that James Franklin seriously considering this, uh, you know, and he's backing up with Joe Lord said um, and and he said he thinks Micah Parsons could legitimately play running back he could legitimately play defensive end he could legitimately play linebacker uh, but last year was his first year playing linebacker and they said just like why they didn't start him they want to take the long view with Micah Parsons do things the right way that way when they do have him go ahead and take on these responsibilities he's fully prepared and can be that maximized potential five-star talent rather than rushing him into spots 
Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, it's it's more about throwing too much at him because he wants it all. I mean, he wants to do everything. He wants to do. He wants to return kicks and get to the passer and you know do do some trick plays and play on offense and everything like that. Can't have that happen. You, you got to have him. You know, learn the position that he's at. Which you know, he, he's playing the will right now. He could play the Sam. He could play defensive end. So you don't want to get too crazy at that point. But you want to have him get to the passer at some point because that's what he's best at. That's what we've seen from him for the last, I guess, four or five years um, since he bro- he broke onto the scene as a high school freshman. Um, it, it's just one of those things where you want to hold him back just for the the sake of his development. And you, you're you're developing him as a linebacker. You know, long term, you see him as a guy that eventually will come off the edge in the NFL. Uh, but he's just a special player, and you're trying not to do too much with him. Like I said, he wants to do it all. You want him to play within your system. You want him to be that guy. And if he can you know, harness that and be that guy, he's going to be a better player for it. And uh, and Micah Parsons is a heck of a salesman, according to James Franklin. He's been sending him uh, videos of Miles Jack, sending Franklin videos of Miles Jack, who, who returned kicks, played linebacker at UCLA, ended up being a first-round pick in the NFL. Uh, we heard from last year that that Micah was seriously pushing to to wrestle for Cal Sanderson uh, on the Mindy Lions wrestling team. So he's a kid who doesn't think he has any limits. So far, he's been proven right, but but Penn State is imposing some limits so he can come along at the right pace. Another guy that we've talked about being a versatile defensive weapon throughout his high school career and now in Happy Valley, Sean, is Brandon Smith. He was the top-ranked overall linebacker in 24-7 sports rankings for the 2019 class, enrolled early in January. And he's somebody who, midway through his high school career, speaking with the Louisa County uh, coaching staff down in Virginia, they seriously considered moving him from middle linebacker to defensive end. The name that they kept attaching him to was Jadavion Clowney and, and him having that kind of potential at the defensive end spot. He stuck at linebacker. Last year, he was a finalist for the Buckus Award at the high school level, which goes to the top linebacker in the entire country. So obviously that move paid off and, and he's working at linebacker for Penn State. James Franklin was asked about him and and uh, no surprise here. The kid looks really good and, and Franklin uh, Franklin is happy that he has him on campus. Just take a listen. Oh, he's a man. I mean, he looks he looks great. I mean, and he's so angular. I mean, you look at him; his waist is here. His shul- his, he's got the broadest shoulders with these with these two uh, boulders on the, on each shoulder. Um, we've been very impressed with him. He's had a great spring. Um, his frame. I mean, he's a guy that could be two hundred and fifty five, sixty pounds and, and playing linebacker legitimately because he's two forty right now and he still looks skinny because of how long he is. Um, but he's been he's been really impressive. He's he's handled things really well, very mature, uh, very competitive, very hardworking. Uh, so, you know, we're excited to see what he's gonna do in camp. Brandon Smith is one of those guys. I mean, he's just he's a good football player. He's a guy that you know looks like a million bucks. He can go out there. I'm just curious where he fits into this group of linebackers because they're they're a lot like him. I mean, this is a this is a good group of linebackers in front of him. If he, if he's playing the wheel, he's got Micah Parsons and Jesse Lucetta. If you slide him into the mic, you're asking a little bit more of him, and you're playing him behind a senior in Jan Johnson and Ellis Brooks. Not to say that he can't make that climb and be that guy. But, I mean, it's it's a really interesting situation because I, I look to the Sam, and Lance Dixon, to me, has a clearer path to the field. So it, it's these guys, I think, can both play. They can definitely both play on special teams. There's no question about it. But, you know, you, you've got to bring the opportunity to bring them along and see how, they're, see how they're coming and progressing, build them up and get them there. Eventually, both, I think, will be starters. But, uh, yeah, it's just a good problem to have. I've made this point on the podcast in the past, but I think – 
what speaks to Penn State's uh, current status on defense more than anything is the fact that you are not in a position where you need to rush Lance Dixon or Brandon Smith onto the football field in 2019. Fully expect those guys to find avenues to the field, whether it's special teams, maybe a second team guys. Who knows? They might get some starts down the road. Uh, but there's a lot of programs out there, plenty of Power 5 programs that would say, ready or not, Brandon Smith, we need you on the football field because you're probably the best athlete on our defense. we got to find a way to make it work. Penn State's in a spot because of the way they've recruited, because of the way they've developed uh, physically uh, from a fundamental standpoint. Uh, they are in a, a situation where they can kind of transition these guys along and, and not need to kind of impact potentially their confidence uh, because you know we've seen it before. Some of these freshmen go to spots where they're asked to do a lot early and they just never quite materialize uh, until maybe later in their career or it doesn't work out at that school. Uh, I think there's something to be said where Penn State's able to, and, and a guy like Jason Oway is another example. He would be a luxury this year, I think. I don't think he needs to be on the football field a lot for you. And you can go up and down the list, I think. A guy like Adiza Isaac, there's plenty of schools where he would be asked to contribute immediately, no questions asked. But Penn State, building that stockpile of depth, we see teams like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State do that, where you, where a four or five star guys go, and then you're kind of like, where are they? And then two years down the line, they pop up, and all of a sudden, they're exactly who you thought they could be. They just were working behind the scenes because of the quality uh, of talent in those positional rooms. And I think Penn State uh, that speaks a lot about where they're at defensively, and and you really you can apply that to a lot of the positions on this roster. They're a long way from playing Jake Cooper and Manny Bowen and Cam Brown as true freshmen at linebacker, so they're they're in a good spot there. Speaking of Manny Bowen, he was an initial member of that transfer portal class of 2019, which we will never forget. Uh, but the transfer portal, of course, played a, a, a big role in talking to not only James Franklin, but other coaches out at the Big Ten Media Day. Just an interesting situation as they learn to deal with it, learn to cope with you know, players leaving, players putting their names in and coming back. It's just... He's taken a very hard line on it, which, you know, it's no secret. Not a big fan of it. He is, uh, he, he's come out and talked about the free agency aspect of things. But, hey, if that's how they're going to play the game, he's going to, you know, they're, they're going to put their foot down with some guys. Some guy wants to, to, to test the waters. They're going to, I guess, recruit as if that guy's spot is still open, which is kind of what they do with uh, with recruits that take other visits. But uh, just an interesting way to approach things and, and really don't know that there's a right way to go about things. But, you know, they're, they're kind of taking a hard line here. We, we have a very specific plan now. Um, we did that around January of last year with our team, with the administration, with our coaches, where it's very clear cut now. There's, there, there's no gray area. And I think that's the problem is that the NCAA has left this pretty gray that each institution can handle it on their own. So the players are saying, well, what do you mean we're doing it this way? My buddy at School X, they're handling it this way. Well, that, that's, that's where some of the challenges come. So us being very clear and upfront about this is how we handle things, um, I think has helped. I think it's helped and it will help us moving forward. There was, there was too much ambigu ambiguity there for us. But we're very clear in, in how we're handling it moving forward. Uh, you enter the portal, uh, you're, you're losing aid at the end of the semester. Now that doesn't mean that you can't come back. But but we're if you're looking, we're looking. So you, you can't be on the team, be, um, be looking around and shopping around, and now we're stuck. So if you enter the portal and you're looking around, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna um, you know we're gonna cancel your aid at the end of the semester. That doesn't mean you can't come back and join the team. But now that's that's our choice if we're gonna bring you back. So we're gonna we're gonna operate as if you're no longer with us. 
So speaking of gray area, which Franklin referenced there a little bit in terms of NCAA and their approach, little room left for gray area in Penn State's stance on this. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let Franklin's words speak for themselves. You just heard them. Um, you know, but very clearly, you know, I think there was a lot of alarm about the transfer portal, its impact on Penn State. You know, as the dust settled, especially with Lamont Wade coming back into the fold and, and a fairly young, fairly young receiver in Cam Sullivan Brown coming back into the fold. Outside of Tommy Stevens, Jawan Johnson, you look across the guys who did transfer. You're not looking at guys who were going to make much of an impact beyond a reserve role. You know, maybe some veteran leadership presence. And we've talked about a lot. Many of them graduating from Penn State. So it'll be interesting. You know, we heard Jim Harbaugh out there saying he believes uh, every single player at the at the FBS level should have one opportunity to transfer, uh, basically penalty-free. You transfer and, and you're on another team. Um, and then he said a second transfer, then you're talking about something that needs to be more stringent. So I, I don't know if you're ever going to find a collective agreement on this. And, and Franklin's stance right now is, the NCAA has a lot to figure out. We're just going to go ahead and figure it out here in State College. And and if you want to give us kind of word on, on this thing being updated, do that. But but very clearly, uh, he's, he's tried to make that known within the locker room, within the administration, as he said. And Sean, one kind of spinoff of this whole process is the impact on recruiting. And Franklin went on the record, says he is fully expecting that they will sign 30 or more players in the 2020 recruiting class that is an awfully high number uh penn state signed 25 a couple times i think they may have gotten up to 26 with franklin but you know it's it's been more toward the the mid to low 20s class size 30 plus that means right now uh here on friday afternoon they've got 20 players on board it's a big number compared to a lot of college football that might only be two-thirds ish of the process uh, it, it, it's a head scratcher because that's a lot of scholarships to come in. Uh, but, but this is kind of the transfer portal doing its thing. And this is James Franklin with his kind of echo to the situation. Yeah. One of the first things we said about the transfer portal is it's going to cause uh, a shift in numbers because you're no longer trying to worry about that 85 because you know, the, 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 the vast reality of it, when have you been at 85? That's the question, especially with Penn state that's dealt with what they've dealt with scholarship numbers for, for years. Um, so it, it, it's one of those situations that I, I don't think uh, 30 is a lot. I mean, 30 is Tennessee numbers right there. Um, but uh, it, it's one of those situations where you're, you're talking about counting back and there's loopholes to get where you need to get. And they're, they're, they're going to have numbers available no matter what. I mean, there's, there's 20 kids in the class, but there's plenty of space. Whether that gets up to 30 or not, maybe that's a little bit sensational based on who's still out there, basically. And maybe you see some senior risers or, or something like that. But I mean, it's uh, that 30s a lot. <laughs> that's what we'll say. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a situation where there's no real downside to not oversigning, but there, there's no real downside to being that team that you know sort of flirts with the line a little bit more. Like you said, the numbers work themselves out. This is something Don and I talk about all the time. The numbers always work themselves out. Penn State for the last couple of years has been a little bit too worried about where they're going to end up. And all of a sudden, you know, you enter the season at 81 scholarships. Well, you've got some room to play. So now with the transfer portal, you can take that into account. They're hosting a potential transfer on Friday. We talked about that in the S-Zone today. Um, so it, it, it's really one of those situations where you're, you're filling numbers, and it's not just high school recruits. You can look more at junior college. You can fill up at a couple of positions. You know, I look at a guy, and we'll transfer to, to recruiting here. You look at a guy like Malik Mega, 
who's a uh, wide receiver from Canada, uh, tremendously athletic, uh, still raw as hell. Um, But you look at a guy like that, and you've got three receiver commits. You've still got Keandre Lambert out there. You've got Josh Downs, the North Carolina commit, still out on the board. Well, all of a sudden, you know, maybe Middle League Mega wants to come on board, and you've got a little bit more wiggle room for for a place like that. So I don't think you you stress yourself with the numbers, and you come out on the other side. The numbers will work themselves out. I feel very confident about that. And then all of a sudden, you're looking in the transfer portal to see if you can patch up some holes. I think special teams is a, is a really interesting one. They went out and got Jordan Stout. A lot of these specialists are, are walk-on specialists, so they'll, they'll have the ability to play right away. Or or you take a guy that maybe has to sit out this year, and and Blake Gilligan is is a senior this season. So you know you've got options there. So. It's not so much a numbers thing as it used to be, but 30 still seems like a lot. But when you get down to it, when you add transfers into it, when you add the, the ability to, to go after guys that you know you, you think are quality athletes, quality players, it kind of makes sense. Let's face it. In college football right now, there's more personnel fluidity than there ever has been. There, there's so much going on. And Franklin actually brought up another layer to this transfer portal process. And he says, essentially, the worst kept secret in college football right now is that People are recruiting from other teams. Like like he mentioned an unnamed Mac coach uh, who he is friendly with that lost five returning starters from his team because they went to basically take another step up the, the FBS ladder with another program. And, and it, it is interesting. Uh, I think the NCAA, you look at the, how they're trying to handle some of these transfer waiver stuff. I mean, I don't know if the toothpaste is out of the tube, as they say. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's something that I think it's never going to go fully back to the way it was. It, I just don't think that's possible. Um, and, and Franklin, to his credit, you got to keep marching on and you got to kind of create your own path. And that's what they're doing here. So we'll see how it impacts thing, but they're going to have a major recruiting opportunity as we'll get to it in just a moment. Brian Doan is on with us, uh, breaking down a lot from the recruiting world. It's been a, the dead period, but there's still been plenty going on, and it wakes up in, in a big way this weekend. But first, let's take a quick commercial break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Go to the phones now for 24-7 Sports. Brian Doan. Brian, I've been out for the last week. What did I miss? Catch me up. Well, Liverpool did not have a good tour on their Eastern, you know, on their U.S. swing, but still will be good for the season. But if you mean recruiting-wise, you didn't miss a whole bunch in terms of the Lash Bash is coming up this weekend. And the dead period ended in late June, so as usual, perfect timing for your vacation. You really didn't miss much other than an accumulation of who's coming to what is, you know, for Penn State, it's a big push to get some kids in the 2020 class um, who they're really interested in, who could make decisions sooner rather than later. And in the 2021 class, 
it's a chance for them to really just sit down and get to know some of these kids a little bit better and away from the camp situation where they can spend some time with them and show off, you know, what they want to do in terms of facilities and improvements there and just some plans moving forward. Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting one. I think we talked about it last summer where you had the opportunity to get kids on campus just for one weekend and everyone is just lining up trying to get these kids on campus. So if you take a look back at 2016, 2017, those visitor lists are certainly going to be much better than we've gotten used to seeing in the last two years. So um, still a decent visitor list. And I look at the 2020 list and five guys with offers right now. Um, it's a couple of guys from Jersey that you've been talking to, Devin Willick and Jalen Berger, kind of on opposite sides here. Willick was a guy that got the offer, slowed down his recruitment. Um, Berger has been a guy that hasn't been on campus. You know, Penn State was very high on his list very early, but he hasn't been on campus for, I think, over a year now. So uh, what do you think about those two Jersey kids? Because it's certainly an interesting situation on both. Well, you know, and Willick, before he visits Penn State, is supposed to be at Georgia Tech the day before, and I believe he's supposed to be at Boston College the day after. He's also talking about visiting Rutgers um, before the month ends. And, and I think he just wants to make his decision, get it over with. And if he gets the green light from Penn State, I think that's where he winds up. Um, he is a kid, I've spoken to a lot of people about him, and, and he is a kid that has to reshape his body a little bit. But what I continually hear is, you know, quick feet, long arms, and he has some strength. He's just got to, you know, work on set some technique and like I said reshape his body if it goes well shoot man maybe he doesn't even get up to Boston College for that visit I know he wants to go through the process a little and and make sure he's making the right decision I would still think within the next 10 days he'll have a decision if not sooner and then Jalen Berger um, this is what happens in recruiting this is a kid that if he wasn't in the east region my guess is Penn State would have moved on because it's the, the energy and trying to get him back to campus, you don't know if it's, it's worth it if he's from far away, but he's a guy that's made a ton of visits, and he's been to Penn State a few times, so it's not like he's just overlooking them. He wanted to see other places that he had not been to or had only been to once. And so for him to get back to campus is huge, and you know, get his parents there would also be big. And it's just kind of, for him, I feel like he's almost reset the process now, and he will take some visits in the fall, maybe some in early December, and make a decision then. He's going to announce at the All-American game in January. Um, he, you know, Penn State knows this very well. He could, he could sign in December and keep it quiet until January, um, which I, I think that's what will happen. He, he's been a lot of places, but he doesn't love the process, doesn't like talking about the process much. But I've maintained all along he wants to stay close to home, and the two schools with that are Penn State and Rutgers. I also think it's interesting when you got a guy like Jalen Berger, who's a very, very good running back. We've also listed him, I think, in the past as an athlete, could be a safety or something like that. But if you look at running backs, I mean, he's looking at he's, – he's always got Ohio State and Michigan on their list. Well, they're, they're recruiting elite running backs. Uh, Penn State's recruiting elite running back. It's just there's a lot of schools – that are recruiting really, really, really good running backs, and Berger might just be a step below. So that's kind of maybe impacted where he's going to have the options to go to. Well, it's that, and it's also he's not a guy that spends a lot of time on the phone and chatting with coaches. And so if you don't do that, then how do you know if you're, you know, that he's still interested? And you know, it's funny as the spring went on, and I spoke to some people about him. 
there is more and more schools that are looking at him as maybe receiver and running back, kind of like an all-purpose back. And we always think of the all-purpose backs as smaller guys, you know, the five nine hundred and seventy pound guys. But he has a really good skill set as a receiver. I mean, I've, I've seen the kid so much in person. You just see it come out. And I, when I first saw him play, I thought, man, this kid would be a really good safety if he wanted to play on defense. So you do have position versatility with it. But I think, I think part of it is you're right. I mean, you know, there, there's some really good running backs being recruited by, by some of the major contenders. He's a really good running back, in my opinion. Um, and the other part of it is if you're not going to have a lot of conversations with coaches – then they're going to move to look somewhere else because they don't get the sense that maybe you're still interested. You made probably the biggest confirmation for our Lash Bash list, Theo Johnson, the tight end from Canada. Kid's really, really good. How big of a confirmation is it to, to get him back on campus before the season starts? Well, it's huge because I, I was talking to um, somebody about him on Wednesday and just you know the same thing about Penn State getting him on campus and what does it mean? Well, he's visiting one place this this week coming up and it's Penn State and he had choices to go visit a bunch of other places and his choice was Penn State and when you look at the tight ends and what Penn State has done recently they have they have really good tight ends in their program there um to me it's enormous to get him on campus does it mean he's going to commit no I mean it doesn't mean that all of a sudden Penn State's the leader or is not the leader but take it for what it's worth He's going to one place, he told me, and that one place is Penn State. And that any other school on his list is jealous of Penn State this weekend. Zariah Fisher, Malik Mega, a couple of 20s in there. When you move down the list to the 2021s and 2022s, I think it's a great group of 2022s. Uh, a couple of in-state guys, Makai Flowers, Nick Singleton, and Sean Murphy, who I know you, you're very high on, think he can be one of the top players in the 2022 class. Oh, listen, Murphy out of Stonewall Jackson down in Manassas, Virginia. I mean, you know, our rankings, as we all know, are based on NFL draft potential. So as a, as a inside linebacker, I don't know if he's a top five pick in an NFL draft. I don't, I don't really see teams doing that. But if you take just a college prospect and a kid ready to play in college, the kid's a top 10 kid in the country. I mean, he's unbelievable. You're talking about a kid that had 80 tackles in a competitive situation as a true freshman and was all over the field. Getting him on campus is huge. You know, Flowers is big, so is Singleton, who's a really good athlete. Um, I, I am still waiting to see how, you know, how good of a football player he is, and that's not to say he's not a good player. I'm just waiting to see it show a little bit more. But the athleticism, and, and you and I have talked about it, is off the charts. Um, but, yeah, and, and people may look at 2022s and be like, oh, that's so far away. But recruiting has changed so much that most of the weekend visits taking place across the country, a lot of them this weekend are geared on 2021s. And that's just where recruiting is. And so we talked earlier with Penn State wanting to get the 2021s involved you know, and build relationships there. Well, there's no reason you can't start with some of the elite 2022s. And you've got Nick Singleton as a running back, Tevin White, uh, 2022 running back, who is kind of following in that Ricky Slade, Devin Ford uh, lineage down in in Northern Virginia. Tyleek Williams. Right is, now everybody wants to know if you put your crystal ball pick in for him. 
Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Uh, but uh, Talik Williams, defensive lineman, you know how hard defensive linemen are to find. He's been up to Penn State a few times. So just looking across the board, I think people are going to maybe compare it to past years, and that might be a tad unfair, maybe compare it to last year where it's a step down from last year, but still a pretty solid group overall. Yeah, and, and I think that's a credit to Penn State and having the vision to do this years past because – it wasn't as big, you know, it was Ohio State with Friday Night Lights and Florida with their Friday Night Lights, and there were things like that, but you see more and more schools wanting to get kids on campus late in July, and really, especially with the dead period now, in August again, where you used to be able to come watch the first couple of weeks of training camp, you can't do that anymore, so this is kind of like a final push to get kids on campus before, you know, maybe they start coming to games and everything like that during the season, so... The reason that you have less kids coming to Penn State, well, A, the, the calendar has changed a bit on how things go with so many kids committing earlier and, and the identification of kids being so much earlier and more junior days. And then the other part is more programs are making it a big deal to have an event like this at the end of July right before training camp, which I know the assistant coaches just absolutely love because they want to get back for recruiting rather, you know, before they grind for another, you know, four months of 18-hour work days that they want to have a big recruiting weekend. But th- that's where we are, and that's why maybe the list isn't as deep as years past. More more programs are doing it, and more programs are making an emphasis on it. And to add to that, I mean, there's there's kids that just don't want to go anywhere this weekend. I mean, they, you've got the dead period; that's great, but you've got family vacations. You've got their camp starting probably in a week or two. So they want to enjoy it. I mean, guys like Keandre Lambert's not going to be anywhere this weekend, I believe. And uh, Mordecai McDaniel, a guy that uh, you just talked to about his Penn State official visit, he's not going to be anywhere. But let's stay on McDaniel. You talked to McDaniel the other day. Uh, We're going to shift away from Lash Bash here to to wrap up. But you talked to McDaniel last week while I was gone. Uh, Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I think Penn State really altered his recruitment. I think he was, you know, he, he tweeted after the Penn State visit about two schools and now there's three schools involved, and that's good because Penn State was not going to be one of those two schools coming out of the visit. And it just tells you what a good time he had on a visit, how he connected with the staff, and he really likes what's going on at Penn State. He likes the coaching staff. He likes the players in the program. Obviously, they recruit the DMV well, so he knows some of those kids. They speak well of what's going on. And it really made his decision tougher which is, I mean, it's, it's great for Penn State. It's not going to be a track decision. Track will factor into it. But I don't think if he picks Tennessee or Florida, it's because Penn State's track program isn't as good as Tennessee or Florida's. I think he just wants to go to a place that he's really comfortable in, where he feels good. And he also liked how you know Penn State would use him as a safety. And he likes that. He likes the defense that they run and how they use their safeties. To me, he can play free or strong, which gives you some flexibility there. But, yeah, I mean, I I thought going into the Penn State visit, Penn State was on the outside looking in and coming out of it. And talking to some people at St. John's, not just Mordecai, I I honestly believe it's a three-team race. All right. Well, that's Brian Doan, 24-7 Sports. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter or you can go to our site where he's been filling in uh, working a little overtime while I've been out the, in the last week. But, Brian, thanks for holding up the fort while I was gone, and we appreciate you having you here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks a lot. Hey, man, thanks for always having me.
Thanks to Brian for joining us, and apologies for my dog, who kind of spends all day sitting on the couch, decided to get up and walk around, and he's a little jingly, so that jingle you heard in the background was Watson. Uh, He apologizes profusely, because he really cares. Um, But moving on, uh, getting back to the Lash Bash, uh, big event, of course, Theo Johnson we talked about, Devin Willick, you know, probably a guy on Commit Watch, Mega we talked about earlier, Um, but it's a pretty good group, and maybe doesn't match up to, to last year's, or of course the years prior, because, you know, it's a different set up a different situation but still a good group uh 2021s 2022s and i think that's really what this event's geared to yeah and and there's an interesting tandem coming up from virginia stonewall jackson high school in manassas spoke with tyleek williams uh four-star defensive lineman uh, out of the 2021 class and he'll be making the trip with his teammate uh, sean murphy who's a 2022 linebacker and he's already got offers from just about everybody alabama ohio state Michigan. Now, Tyler Williams has a heck of an offer sheet on his own, uh, but this kid, Murphy, the rankings aren't out for 24-7 sports with the 2022 class, but fully expect him to be in the upper echelon uh, among the top-ranked linebackers. He's a kid who had 20 tackles for loss as a freshman. Uh, he's already got good size, and, and obviously, I think the offers more than anything illustrate his potential. Uh, but both those guys, uh, you know, they got offers on the same day in March. Each of them expressed excitement in their own ways. Uh, Murphy called Penn State a linebacker school. He's he's been at a camp with LeVar Arrington, an all-star camp. That made a strong impression on him. And additionally, uh, you know, to get this kid on campus with a teammate in Tyleek Williams, who sounds very high on Penn State, he said he will get to campus anytime he can that Penn State extends an invite he'll do what he can uh, to get up to, to happy valley so uh williams is a guy who's, who's just shy of 300 pounds he's considered a top 10 defensive tackle in 24 7 sports uh 2020 2021 rankings so those guys stand out to me sean and another interesting player here uh, more at a local level um we talked about harris harrisburg being a place that penn state's continuously looking damian barber uh, micah parsons are going to be in the defense for nitty lines this year out of that high school they, they targeted Andre White last year, and now Nate Bruce, who was at the Big Man Challenge back in June, had a really impressive performance there. Uh, six foot five, three hundred pound range already. Only halfway through high school. To this point, he's got five uh, FBS offers, only two at the Power Five level: Iowa State and also Virginia Tech. But he would love to get that Penn State offer. And for someone who you know does still keep in touch and does communicate with Micah Parsons and, and Damian Barber whenever he gets on campus, he says he makes it a point to speak with those fellow Harrisburg guys. Um, I think it would be a game-changing offer for him. And considering you know the way he seemed to impress the staff uh, last last month, and, and what I've heard from his offensive line coach Richard Muldrow, who I actually knew back when he was a high school offensive lineman, I, I hear a lot of good things about this kid. I'm not saying an offer is coming this weekend. Uh, but I can tell you, he's pretty juiced up to get to campus. Um, and anytime you got a kid from Harrisburg who's that excited about Penn State football, you know, your ears kind of perk up. Richard Muldrow, that takes me back, uh, definitely. But uh, no, I mean, Nate Bruce is an intriguing guy. Uh, Going to have to work on tightening up that body a little bit. He's about 6'5", 300 plus. Uh, looks, you know, he looks like a guard right now. Be interesting to see if he has the feet to play tackle. He's worked out for Penn State twice this year. I put him on my all-camp team from June. Uh, he's a guy that... You know, earn special note at the big man camp, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a good looking kid. He's a raw prospect. He's, he might be a guard long term. He might, you know, he's got size to be a tackle, but do, does he move well enough? That's the question. So Nate Bruce is a guy, you know, you don't earn an, uh, an invite to 
the Lash Bass just by being another guy. So they like what they've seen from him. I'm sure they'd, they'd love to continue to monitor him if they had the chance to, to watch a couple of games and see how he, he goes along. But, you know, he's progressing at a, at a pretty good rate. Cal Everett, the, the, the Harrisburg coach, pointed him out to me last year. Just a big old kid. I mean, you just look like he looked like a big 14-year-old out there, uh, how you would expect a big 14-year-old out there to look. Um, but, no, he's a, he's a big kid. He's got some potential. they got a couple of guys in that Harrisburg offensive line that, that have some potential. So uh, be watching him. And getting back to the Stonewall Jackson kids, that's a really interesting thing because Stonewall is a place – that's Virginia Tech's territory. I mean, that's the, the, the uh, Tim Settle was there. Ryan Williams way back was there. It, Virginia Tech usually got who they wanted out of Stonewall Jackson. They invited them down to, to their event this weekend. They're going to Penn State instead. That's a really interesting development because you know, not a lot of kids get out of Stonewall and go somewhere else other than the Virginia Tech. So to get those guys on, up on campus, Tyleek Williams has been here a few times. That's a good thing. Um, to, to get Sean Murphy up is a big deal because he's probably a top 25, top 50 player in the 2022 class. That's good. I continue to go back to this 2022 group. Tevin White's in there. Nate uh, Singleton from from Governor Mifflin. Really good group of 2022s, and you don't want to get on those guys too early. But it's uh, you know you have to be excited by that group that's coming in. Yeah, I caught up with with Singleton briefly this morning. We'll have something up on uh, on twenty four on lines twenty four seven. By the way, we'll, we have about five or six of these kind of previews probably by the time you listen to it. Uh, getting into detail on some of these players who are visiting, what they're looking for. Another running back that stands out on this guest list is Tevin White. And, of course, we've mentioned him in the past, Sean, because he is a teammate, a former teammate now, of Devin Fords. Uh, and and he's a guy who has the Penn State offer already before his sophomore year. He's camped under the direction of J1 Sider back in June. Uh, so he, he's done a lot uh, you know, in terms of building that relationship with Penn State. And naturally, because of his close ties with Devin Ford and, and before that, Nana Asadu out of the same program, North Stafford in Virginia – I don't think there's a ton of question marks between what he anticipates from the Penn State staff. I think the big question here is how much will his offer sheet grow? Devin Ford is now in State College. He's going to be the man in that backfield, and I'd imagine he'll have opportunities. Uh, you know, by the time he gets a few few video, a few games on video, uh, to really build up that offer sheet this fall. Uh, he, he said something that stuck out though. He, he sees J1 Sider not just as a running backs coach, but as almost a father figure is is the phrase he used in that running backs room. And um, you know, I, I think we're you're always getting ahead of yourself if if you're going to attach yourself too much to a coaching or recruiting process. You know, three years before you're on campus, but very clearly Sider making a positive impact here. I would imagine that as long as Devin Ford is enjoying his time on campus, there's going to be great feedback coming the other way. So uh, something to monitor there as well. Tevin White, very receptive to being next in line to the Slade Ford pipeline that's coming up to Virginia. As I mentioned with Doan, I don't really think about 2022 crystal balls yet, but if I had to put one in, it definitely would be on Penn State. He's got a Georgia offer as well, which is is an eye-opener for a running back. So just a couple of kids to work, uh, to, to, to keep an eye on. Nate Singleton, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Penn State recruiting him as a running back. He told me earlier this month that he was going to come back and work out at safety and linebacker for Brent Pry. Now that's not going to happen. He got his offer. He's going to, you know, just come to the bash tomorrow. So um, just, just uh, I think it's a really good group just to, to close it down. I think it's a good group. I don't think it's an elite group by any any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, there's the, there's some good players in there, and I think they can benefit from it. Don't really expect to see a ton of action coming out of uh, this weekend. You Maybe you're watching Devin Willick or Malik Mega or something like that. But not really, not really lined up to be a ton of action coming out of this one. The one storyline that, that I guess at this point isn't sexy on the recruiting trail, but it's very important for Penn State in the 2020 cycle, is you're getting a lot of these guys in front of each other. The commits, for really the first time, we, we've talked about how this class was 
kind of broken down and then put back together again in a in an enormous way this summer, you know, in June into early July. And and this is an opportunity with a lot of these guys getting back to break some of that ice. And then with a concerted effort, I'll tell you what, I talked to Nick Dawkins on Friday morning. Not only is he fired up for Friday night's camp, he is really excited to sell their message to some of these uncommitted guys. Naturally, Theo Johnson's a name that came up. Curtis Jacobs says he cannot wait to speak with Theo Johnson. Um, so you know, we'll have full coverage of it, obviously. And, and Sean, myself, Mark Brennan, all going to be there. Uh, we're going to have something up Saturday morning from those commits, their perspective on what they're trying to accomplish this week. And as we said, a bunch of stuff already up on the site with, with prospects previewing this stuff. And Sean, we're a couple hours away. We got to go to the field. Any final thoughts? No, not really. Uh, I'm still on vacation in my mind. So, but no, but thank you for listening on the Lions 24 7 podcast. We're sorry we got it out so late. Like I said, we were writing quite a bit on the site today for our VIP guys. So check that out if you are a VIP member. But once again, thanks for listening to the Lions 24 7 podcast. We're going to have coverage all weekend, and we'll catch you some, uh, sometime next week.